Analytics with Mike Lewis, the podcast where we talk about everything you need to know about sports analytics. Here's your host, Mike Lewis, marketing professor at Emory University. Welcome, everyone. This is Mike Lewis with the Fanalytics podcast. Joining me today is my favorite economist, finance professor at uh, Emory University, Tom Smith. How are you doing, Tom? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I, I want to double check some of your favorite economist slash finance professor. You may well be the only economist I actually like in this world. Oh, thank you, Mike. Appreciate that. I think this is a nice segue to today's topic, which is Colin Kaepernick. Thinking on your feet. You know, because this is something that has inspired quite a bit of anger. Um, news reports as we tape this on, what, September, what is it, September 4th? It's the 5th, I the believe. September 5th. Uh, a lot of folks uh, I saw in the news throwing their Nike shoes into the barbecue pits and cutting up their Nike socks. And so a lot of a lot of anger. Yeah, there is. A lot of people are a lot of people are angry. And so I, I know originally we were going to talk about a different topic. And, and when I was driving in this morning, and I, I was thinking, you know what, you're a you're a marketing professor. Um, I know this is a sports analytics podcast, but as a marketing professor, I thought that you might have a very interesting take on this. What is Nike's goal with respect to bringing on Kaepernick and this this really like in your face kind of role? Right, the 30th anniversary of the Just Do It campaign. He is going from being an athlete to an advocate, and you know Nike as an athletic apparel company. But are they more of an advocate company now? I mean, what's your what was your original gut on on when you heard this was going on? This is a big topic, and it's I think it's a nuanced topic, and it's uh, you know you mentioned that focus is usually here on some notion of analytics, and I, I think this falls under the realm of I've got a big tent kind of view of analytics, and that we're we're analyzing problems via data when we have it, via theory when we don't. You asked me something that I think I would probably take like a 45 minutes to answer because it involved, you know, Nike's motivations, what they're, what they're trying to accomplish and all this. And, you know, I, I think it's, it's hard to say because one of the things I, I don't like to do is to infer the motivation of others. I think there's way too much of that in, in this world, right? It's like, oh, you did this because blah, 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 right? Maybe... You know, you did this because you put 10 seconds into an idea and maybe you are trying to accomplish some sort of deep kind of long range planning. So for Nike, just as a starting point, let's make this more of a conversation is, you know, I think we got to look at this company in context. Right. And I think at the moment, who is the, you know, what is the go to brand for the segment that really tends to buy a lot of Nike shoes and fashion apparel? Um, well, I think we it, both have teenage boys. Yeah, right. right we, yeah, I do. Right. My, my boys wear Adidas right now. So my my middle son is wearing. He's got a pair of LeBron speaker uh, sneakers. My my older kid actually wears like Vans and okay. uh, like more like skater, <laughs> skater stuff. But he's not a skater, but he's a musician, and so he's wearing um, like Sperry's and Vans and sort of very cool like deck shoes. Yeah. You know the LeBron shoes that my other son bought. Um, you know he put a lot of he put a lot of emphasis when he wanted those shoes on. LeBron James okay. like these are LeBron James shoes I would like a pair of LeBron James shoes and we went and saw him play okay. and 
he was very very happy to, to see him play and now, he feels strongly about just the guy I guess. is lebron is lebron the biggest uh biggest athlete in the u.s most popular athlete the most the biggest brand of all the athletes in the u.s in the um, it's you know what i mean jordan is still okay well on, let's you yeah. know let's take the icon off the right okay know. Well, you take yeah, you take Jordan off the table, and you know since I mean, since Kobe retired, I would say LeBron is probably as hot as anybody. Yeah, I think okay. he's the, I think he's the the spokesperson, right? Yeah, I mean, so you know, and LeBron's an interesting case, right? Because LeBron has become much more political over the last year, I think, and particularly over the last summer. Yes. He's been very outspoken. You know, I mean, the the whole world of sports seems to have moved into a very political direction, right? You know, we have the NBA champion, you know, the teams playing for the NBA championship announcing they will not go to the White House even before the championship is decided. Right. LeBron in tweeting battles with the president of the United States. Right. Right. I mean, so, you know, a lot of this stuff lining up on different sides. And so... Maybe Nike's looking at this going, wow, you know, LeBron is our biggest talent. LeBron actually exemplifies what this younger generation of consumers wants. How do we continue to build this positioning? How do we reinforce it? If you want, and again, we'll sort of use shorthand on some of this stuff, which will probably offend some, but so if you're pursuing this social justice oriented positioning and you got, you're building around LeBron, what's your second best choice? Who, who are you going to add to that? So I really like the Williams sisters. I mean, I really like their work ethic. Okay, and but work. are they outspoken? Not as far as I can tell. I mean, they have really great Instagram and Instagram feeds, but I they're exactly not exactly political in nature. No. I mean, so. this so this is this is just off the top of the cuff. But yeah. you know, if Nike has decided that the key moving forward for this next generation, which tends to be you know more diverse. Um, very oriented towards a lot of social justice issues. If they've decided that that's the right positioning for their brand, right? Then maybe Kaepernick was just about the very best choice. Yeah. No, I think I think you may have sort of narrowed it down. Like you said, you don't like to, you know, you don't want to guess what their motivation right. is. But is if Nike is if Nike is losing ground or trying to gain background with your Under Armors trying to compete with more fashionable brands like your Pumas and what have you, they have to bring a different level to the game, I think. And well, so if they were thinking about it as, a, as okay, we, don't, we have this spokesperson, but now we need to bring something additionally to the table, then Kaepernick offers them that. Well, and I, and I think there's two issues here, right? So number one is I'm speculating that they've decided to go after this kind of positioning. Right. Maybe, you know, LeBron really resonates with this group. And so let's strengthen that. It might sound crass, but let's strengthen our anti-Trump branding. Right. Okay? Kaepernick is probably the ideal way to do that. Okay? Question number two, though, and I think this is probably more, much more of a question, is that the right strategy? Is that a great branding strategy? Is that the position you want out there? We've seen this with other brands when you attach yourself to an athlete and then the athlete does something that 
treats you a little bit different, a little bit wrong, right? And so when Kobe, he think he lost some endorsements after it was revealed that he had like an extramarital affair, right? Well, I think it was um, a little worse than that. Well, I mean, I mean so I'm trying to be a little bit mild yeah, about okay. this, okay? So did he, I mean, it was, I don't know if it was uh, Gatorade or if it was other, other companies, but like, so, you know, he got caught yeah. doing a little well, something, something, and they said, no, thank you. Well, let me put right? a little, it, little context on that. It's all be the marketer today okay. so like so sometimes athletes or celebrity spokespeople will um create a crisis for a brand right you know okay. so i've got a spokesperson you know and I, I don't remember who oj was endorsing back in the day you know i always think of like you know running through airports and that it hurts rental cars or something like this right um and you know kobe i'm sure had a, a shoe deal when he was you know in accused of sexual assault i forget the details of that case you know so this idea of branding crises is is something it's like well your spokesperson does something that lands him him or her in hot water how does that reflect on the brand right i think this one might be a little bit different though right because this is not this is not someone landing in hot water right this is not someone being arrested right i mean let, let's call it 50 50 this is a company choosing an endorser who is loved by half the country and potentially really disliked or despised by half the country. Right. Are you talking about Kaepernick? I'm talking about Kaepernick. I was being a little facetious there because I was going to say, are you talking about Kanye? Right. So now, now when you're talking about when, so like I'm thinking, I'm thinking from a, I'm trying to think from a marketing sort of perspective. I'll help you do it. And thank you. (laughs) So Kanye creates this hot water for himself, right? I mean, he's kind of a genius about it. Again, he's not yeah. being arrested, but when he gets in front of the crowd at the Grammys and says, you know, Taylor Swift shouldn't have won this or Beck is not a great musician or something like this, then people say, well, Kanye, you're a whack job for saying these things. But then they go out and buy Taylor Swift's album and they go and buy Kanye's album, right? And so he just, he creates this kind of craziness around him. Well, that's... And that's his brand, right? His brand is, I'm crazy. Absolutely. And I think that's, um, I, I think that's a, that's a long time, well, well-traveled marketing path, right? The, the idea that I'm going to be outlandish. Right. I mean, when you talk about sports figures, and so, I, you know, and I think we're, we're onto something here. There's, there's different flavors of this where some are more severe. I mean, you know, how about Conor McGregor? Okay. That whole brand is... Revolves yeah. about being outlandish yeah, and, no, and borderline is. criminal behavior, right? Yeah, right. That may no, well have been he, staged. Yeah, no, of course. I mean, you're talking about people getting arrested, right? And so, yeah, I mean, he's he's throwing chairs at people or he's beating them up behind backstage or what well, have you. Throwing, allegedly. throwing traffic barricades at buses. Right, right. right. Yes, yeah, so we've seen all that on the... And, you know, online. one of the interesting things about that is one of the things that I saw in the news, and I, I don't know if this was um, a legit number, but... Someone estimated that Nike had been successful with this campaign because they had generated 40 million plus impressions. Right. And this is, you know, very much kind of a currency of modern day marketing of impressions. How many times are people seeing your stuff? So Conor McGregor throws something through a window. Kanye says something. Colin Kaepernick has a protest. It generates, it generates heat, right? It generates impressions. Right. So from a from a company's perspective, if they're, I mean, you can you can approach it two different ways. You can you can grab somebody who has kind of reached this boiling point and say, 
you're not doing anything criminal, but you know, no outlandish statement is too outlandish as long as you know no one loses an eye, right? And also, does this um, help us create just flair or flavor for a brand that maybe has lost its edge? Is that, I mean, from a marketing perspective, is that another way to think about it? Is that just like, it's just time for them to do something different than what they were already doing? Well, I think we have to, can we both agree that this was a bold move on Nike's part? I think it was a pretty bold move. Got them in the headlines, got people talking about Nike again. I almost think of Nike as a mature brand at this point, just almost like something that's kind of in the background. Right. Like Nike's always been there, good solid shoe, do a lot of deals with basketball players, probably don't think much more about them. Now Nike has crossed over and Nike is in the news cycle. But, and this is where it gets interesting as a marketing move, you know, when we talk about things like positioning and using a celebrity to position, that's what, that's what companies do when they hire celebrity endorsers. But this idea of hiring someone that is not just, let's say, liked by one half of the country, but actively disliked, a real lightning rod for the other half of the country is an interesting move, right? What is the blowback in terms of this? So I was just so just to make sure that we're we're talking about this from a number of different perspectives as a finance and and economics professor. Um, you know, I've been keeping track of just the market movements on Nike, and so you know, yesterday, Tuesday, it dropped um, about two dollars and fifty cents. Okay. I thought I and saw so, news reports that said it was a four billion hit to the market um, cap, like more like thirty. Thirty-four or something like this, right? And so I will double check those okay. numbers so that we're not. Talking it was about a that. well. I mean, it was a consider. It was a con- considerable hit. Yeah, so about three percent, right? Okay. And so, so there was about three percent drop in the in the stock price. It's been pretty stable today, a second day. Um, and you know, I was looking at people, you know, saying, you know, this is going to crash and burn. This is going to be awful. Nike's going to lose all types of money. And I thought. If people, if you really feel that that's true, then all these people should be shorting this stock. Okay, and if but, that and if that was happening, then you'd actually see the price even falling even farther. Okay, but I mean, can't you look at this as I mean, just aren't people having the same kind of conversations we're having? That oh, Nike did something that's likely going to alienate one group of customers. Maybe it's going to enhance the reputation with another group of customers. How is this going to play out? Well, I don't know. I'm a little nervous about it. So there's some selling. Right. A little selling. It's been yeah. stable now. It's, it's steadied off. Most of the people that I have noticed have been so vocal about it are people who already purchased their shoes and they're, they're saying, you know, how dare you as a company want to have this person as your, as your spokesperson um, having to represent something. I, you know, I just bought you because – I just bought these products because they're really mm-hmm. good sneakers, right? And so I'm, I'm, and now they're outspoken about it and saying, well, I'm going to burn my sneakers because I don't want to be seen wearing Nikes or they're no longer comfortable now that Kaepernick is your spokesperson. I mean, it seems to be very odd that people would be destroying their own property to try to make a point. It's, uh, and so, and I'm, and I'm thinking, okay, the way that you counteract that is, is you have people go out and say, well, I'm going to start buying this product because. It's kind of a hyper rational economist perspective on this stuff in a way you know a lot of times people use brands to project themselves into the world 
your laptop, we both teach undergrads, your laptop projects something, right? Sure. Is there an Apple or is there, does it say Dell on the other side? Right. You can almost imagine that your uh, your cup of coffee actually projects something. Oh, this person just has Starbucks or, oh, they went to the local barista. So in as much as branding is about constructing and projecting an image, then this type of you know shift in Nike's positioning in some ways, it's probably a, a demographic play, and they are more interested in consumers who are more interested in using their products to project something, to construct a social identity around wearing tennis shoes and T-shirts. And that's not going to be that's not going to be guys in our demographic, Tom. This you know forty-five to fifty-five kind of age range. No. I mean, yes, you're correct. No, it's not our demographic, and I was not. Well, Nike's not. Nike's telling us we're not in their demographic potentially. They are potentially saying this, and they're they're definitely speaking to you know our kids, and we have kids about the same age, and so they're definitely speaking to our kids, but definitely speaking to our college students. This is who they're they're trying to attract. And I guess I was, from an, from an economic standpoint, you're absolutely correct that I was thinking about the consumption good more as, as you gain utility from consuming it. So, right, I play tennis, I wear, I wear Prince tennis shoes, what have you, because they're comfortable, right, because they don't wear down or because they're not marking soles. You wear Prince tennis shoes? Uh, I believe I actually have a pair of <laughs> Prince, <laughs> not, not from, they weren't tennis shoes from Prince, but I mean, yes. <laughs> Purchased I it, in, I purchased in, you know, yes, the late nineties. That's right. So, yeah, and so I don't really think about when I'm if I'm playing tennis, like what does my racket project about me? So if I've got a Babolat racket or what have you, people say, oh, he's he's going to be a good player because of this or what have you. As a musician, uh, I never really thought about. Okay, I've got a Fender bass, or I've got this, you know, this amplifier. As a starting musician, did you want it to say Fender on it though? So I'm just trying to think back, you know, like 40 years and try to get a sense about, you know, what I was thinking back then, right? I have talked to people our age about, um, okay, you know, what do you want to project if, if you're going to work or what do you want to project if you're got a consulting gig or whatever else? And so are you really going to drive that minivan? Wouldn't you look nicer if you were driving a Mercedes or wouldn't you look nicer if you're driving Tom an Tom drives Infinity? a minivan <laughs> that I would just describe as dated in terms of the model year. That's right. It is. It is. And so, uh, yeah, the truth, I mean, the truth is that if I had a really important meeting, I would definitely want to park away from where the meeting was so nobody could see me getting out of that car because they might very well say he can't be very good at what he does because he drives that. So oh, I was portray- just going to say that I was, I'm incredibly judgmental. I would totally judge you yeah, getting out of that minivan. Yeah, no, yeah. I, this is how people behave, right? And so they so if you have an important meeting and you get out of the meeting in a, in a van and someone says, oh, this person can't possibly well, let me, be let me, successful. Let me, let me help you. I mean this in the most condescending way possible. Of course. When I talk about branding, isn't that just how you guys might talk about signaling? Sure, exactly. So you're signaling that you're an unsuccessful consultant when you get right, out of when the, I get out of the agent. That's right. Thanks, Mike. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, no, it's uh, you're absolutely right. So, I mean, I have a nice watch, but not a flashy watch. I wear nice shoes, but they're, I, mean, they're, I think they might actually be Italian. But, I mean, you certainly can't see the brand of the shoes. I'm not wearing any brands on my button-down shirt or anything like that. Well, And, and it, so, it, and yeah, I mean, it would seem, let's call it middle-aged professors, walking around covered in brands would seem ridiculous. Right. right. Yeah. Right. Let me ask you something very different, though. And it's something that I sort of have in the background of my thinking. And it's related to this Kaepernick situation. Are there Republican brands? 
and democratic brands? Or are there conservative brands and progressive brands? I think that there are some brands that people might think of as being more progressive or more liberal, right? Because they think about the region of the country that the brand is is maybe from. For example, I think that maybe Smith & Wesson might be considered a very conservative brand, right? And a Starbucks is con- probably considered a very liberal brand, right? Well, right? so let's let's say Smith & Wesson. Right. Would a progressive want to wear a Smith & Wesson t-shirt? Probably not. Like I wouldn't I would probably not see a bunch of people at a I don't know, in a, a I mean, there, rally, like a like a Joe Biden rally wearing like Smith & Wesson t-shirts. There might be, there <laughs> might be exceptions, right? right. There, there's a progressive that really just loves to shoot. And the thing that I would want to sort of delve into, and I think this might be kind of key or core to this Kaepernick issue, is if you lean one way politically, and let's say you're a hardcore progressive and you've got something that you associate as a Republican brand, I don't know, you you got an Exxon t-shirt for some reason, right? Right. How does that make that person feel psychologically or mentally putting that on? Right. And Or we could reverse it, right? And I'm a hardcore conservative, and now I've got a Nike t-shirt that is um, labeled with Kaepernick. What is the mental process that you go through or the mental discomfort and again, you know, this is this is fandom. This is kind of marketing or psychological. I don't know why this bothers you, but I suspect it would bother a lot of people to put on a product or a brand associated with the other political philosophy. I think that you just made a really terrific point. And so I wasn't thinking about this in terms of how people behave and what they, they sort of carry, they carry their heart on their shoulder. Right, almost, almost sometimes literally, right? So when LeBron left um, Cleveland originally, people were burning his jersey. But most perfect, right? Perfect, because, perfect example. Because right? they didn't want to be wearing an old LeBron Cleveland jersey to say, "Look, I, I still love this guy." Wait, but he 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 left, and so he left us in a lurch here. So yeah, so people they they. Um, show their feeling by saying, okay, I didn't want to disassociate myself with those brands, right? Well, and so I get it. I don't know if political leanings are more intense than sports fandom. I suspect they're actually kind of similar in terms of the passion. But, you know, you do that same thought experiment. Let's say your biggest, uh, let's say you're a hardcore Chicago Cubs fan. Right? It's possible that I am. Chicago Bulls fans. This is like the uh, late 80s, early 90s. Sure, sure. Okay? Those are my teams. And as a Bulls fan, who did you hate the most? Bill Lambeer. Okay. Who else did you hate on that team? Everybody. Okay. <laughs> and, and so, God, you I know. I could say Spider Sally, Dennis yeah, Rodman. Okay, and that, the whole, that's the, whole, the whole nine yards. Man. Rodman's hey, the hey. name I was looking for yeah, because, you know, guys. I'm a Bulls fan, so everything that happens on the Bulls is they're great. And sorry for the history lesson. Craig Hodges is the greatest shooter in the NBA. Will Purdue, he's got a lot of potential. He's a space heater. Blah, blah, blah. You know, you're always putting the right kind of tone on it. Right. A Detroit Piston in that era. These guys obviously are, you know, mugging little old ladies and, you know, cheating on their taxes, right? And, and everything. Oh, yeah. Every, no, absolutely. Okay, now Dennis Rodman comes over to the Bulls. Terrific. We update pretty quickly, don't yeah, we? Yeah, no, we update very fast. I mean, it was one of the best the best uh, NBA teams of all time yeah. was that, you know, 72-win season game, right? And that 72-win season 
and you had the you know the Pippin and the Jordan and the Kukoc and everybody else. I mean, it was I've got a Rodman jersey. He ended as a as a bull. It makes a lot of sense. Sort of bring this full circle. So I think that's so as a marketer, you asked me how I come down on this, and I think that's a good analogy to it. It's like, look, I'm rooting for a different team, Team Trump, Team Conservatism. I'm from Nike's perspective, or I'm rooting for Team Progressive. Nike now makes this move on Kaepernick. If I'm on Team Progressive, I'm an even bigger fan. You know, we've just enhanced the squad. Right. If I'm on the other side of this team conservative now i hate you and in some ways it's kind of that simple right it is and unfortunately we can't we can't measure this by jersey sales and we can't measure this by hat sales because you know there's no jersey number associated with kaepernick right now right so all of a sudden it's he's the brand i have some sympathy for the nfl right now in that the question comes up well how should the nfl negotiate this this issue with the the anthem protests and you know the, the the easy answer is well the nfl should really have avoided politics i don't know if it's possible to avoid politics anymore i think you know the, the everything has politics has expanded to include just about everything and so everything is now interpreted through the lens of politics you turn espn on and you watch them for a morning you watch them on a morning like today and oh my God, there's a lot of politics. They're talking about Trump tweets. They're talking about Kaepernick. They're talking about interpreting what is meant by the kneeling and whether or not it's really a protest against the anthem or if it's protest against something else. Politics has invaded these spaces and none of these companies know what to do. The NFL, I think, would like to push everything away. Nike has decided, well, let's move forward. What's the right answer? I have no idea. Yeah. So the only th- thing I'll add, and then then we can wrap it up, is is um, someone's going to send us a tweet or uh, an email that says, "Look, historically, sports has always been ha- sports and a politics unifier? have always been you oh. know dovetailed, right?" And so you go back to you know Muhammad Ali, right. and it's and you know sixty eight Olympics. Exactly. Yeah. It's really. I mean, it's almost impossible to like purely separate politics and sports historically well and and then i think the it, one of the things that i will find you know doing this for a lot of years is that people often struggle appreciating the arguments i'm trying to make right i'm making mar- marketing arguments yeah you know I'm, I'm working as the marketing analyst in terms of interpreting some of this stuff where everyone the vast majority of people it becomes very quickly kind of a moral issue and it doesn't matter which side you're on everything becomes and you're right. There will be, there is always going to be kind of ugliness on this stuff. Interesting. Thanks for the interpretation, brother. <laughs> thanks, Tom. And for all of you guys out there, thanks for listening. Please rate and subscribe to us via iTunes. Thanks. Bye.